Master One Two. Good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. We see many of you all that are coming on as far as our virtual congregation is concerned, as far as Zoom is concerned, as well as those that are joining us on our various platforms as far as social media is concerned. I am certainly delighted and elated as far as the second night of our revival services, March Gladness is concerned. And looking forward to the Lord blessing us in an incredible and a powerful way. Last night, the Reverend Dr. Charles Goodman, the pastor of the historic Tabernacle Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, was absolutely amazing. And we're looking forward to uh, Dr. Gina Stewart taking us even higher on tonight. I want you to do me a favor. If you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room on our church website, we want to welcome to you to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this evening. So real quick, if you're watching us on Facebook, please share your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure we all stay in the same chat stream. And you can tag people that you would like to join within your post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. We want to get up to at least 1,500 uh, uh, by the summer. Uh, as far as our YouTube channel is concerned, and text that link of the worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button and um, share this experience with others. And also, we just want to, of course, as far as a call to action is concerned, uh, if you are joining us, if you would participate and engage as far as our various platforms are concerned, your amen, your hand claps, your hearts, they all go a long, long way as far as encouragement as well as engagement is concerned. So I want to thank you. And we see you all popping up as far as our virtual congregation is concerned. I'm certainly elated also that our brothers, the men, will be singing tonight. So let's give God praise for them. Amen. Amen. The Reverend Dr. Marco McNeil will be leading us as far as our worship service is concerned. And so I'm going to ask that he will come at this time and uh, lead us as the Lord is leading him. Good evening, St. Paul family. The psalmist said, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord a new song. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully with to him with psalms and that next verse says for the lord our god is a great god that's enough to be happy about right there because the lord our god is a great god and he is worthy to be praised that is what we are here to do we are here to worship the lord in spirit and in truth if you would if you would not mind joining in wherever you are i know some of you are sitting at home on the couch you're driving in the car you may be uh in the living room relaxing join this men's choir as they get ready to lead us in our morning i mean in our evening hymn glory to his name Yeah. 
together and we should all be able to say glory to his name. Amen. Well, last night during our revival in the chat stream, we saw that individuals were watching us literally from all over the country. Uh, so if you are on Facebook, YouTube, or on our church website, please feel free to let us know where you are watching from. Uh, we would love to connect and join with you. We have a bunch of digital ministers and social influencers out there that are waiting to connect with you. Um, our scripture reading uh, for today will come from Psalm 51. Uh, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 13, I will be reading from the New King James Version, and it gleans these words. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in my inward parts and in the hidden parts you will make me know, you will make me to know your wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide, my, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it's another watch that you've allowed us to come here and worship your name in spirit and in truth. For this blessing, God, we don't want it to go unnoticed. So right now as a collective body, we say thank you for that. What God, while we are in this worship experience, we also want to thank you for allowing us into your presence. For there is nowhere that we can go that you are not already there. So God, we thank you for that. And we ask now, God, while we are here in this worship experience, we invoke your presence among us. Manifest yourself in this worship experience. Have this way, have your way with these, your singers, and this, your preacher, so that she may still bring a word, and we know that we have heard from God once she is finished. So God, we thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do in this experience. And we love you always for your tender, loving kindness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
you to do me a favor if you believe it's going to be all right can you give god an all right praise amen amen i want you to celebrate our brothers let's give god praise for them it is certainly wonderful having them in the house tonight amen we thank god for their gift of music that they are offering as far as these revival services are concerned i take wonderful joy as far as bringing before you um, this March Gladness revival and certainly um, before I move on as far as preparing us to give, I just want you to do a couple of things for me. I want you to celebrate uh, the people that really make this uh, work and make this happen. Can you give God praise for uh, Brother Reginald Ross who provides musical leadership for our men's choir? Our men ensemble tonight and, and can we give God praise for our musicians? Give God praise for them. Amen. 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 Thank God for them. And of course, the brothers that are blessing us with their gift of song and want to thank uh, Reverend Dr. Marco McNeil. Uh, I know he's still trying to get adjusted to, to this. Uh, it'll come more, it'll become more real when you put that robe and you get that piece of paper. You'll know it's sealed. Amen. 
Amen. And uh, I want to give God praise for our nurse that's in the house tonight. Thank you so much for doing temp checks. We greatly, greatly appreciate you. And I want you all to give God praise for our media ministry. They are doing an awesome job. I was upstairs hanging out with them for about uh, 10 minutes. And Sister Camise Noel was barking out orders. And Deborah was jumping off platforms. And uh, our sound man was doing his thing. And, and so there are some wonderful people that are in the back uh, really making this possible. Making virtual church possible. And so major kudos to our media team as well as uh, to the staff that, that makes this this work. I want to, um, uh, before we move on, I, I want to uh, prepare you as far as this moment of giving is concerned. And we're moving our service along because I want to get our preacher up and uh, have her to share what the Lord has laid on her heart as far as this moment is concerned. And so here at St. Paul, there are three ways in which you can give as far as tonight's service is concerned. The first way you can give is by either mailing a check or money order to the church, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. The second way you can give is by bringing uh, your money, check, or cash here to the church uh, between the hours of 9 and I would say 430 um, you can do that and just call to make sure someone is here to receive your offering um, when you come. And, of course, we're practicing social distancing still. The other way you can give is through our church website. You can give through our church website, ACS or Church Life. And then, uh, lastly, you can give through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, three clicks, you can give as far as um, March Gladness is concerned. So tonight, I'm going to give, uh, again, what I gave on last night. Uh, I'm going to give $100 tonight. Anyone that feels led to join, you can join me. This is my offering at this moment. And so um, we have no set amount. Whatever you feel led to give, you're more, we want to encourage you to give. One thing I have discovered, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. You and I, we are most like God when we give. So I want you to do me a favor. If you would, take your offering, however you're going to give it. If you would, place it in your right hand. Let's give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, on the second night of these revival services, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, oh God, for the wonderful opportunity to, to give at this moment. And we give not out of necessity, not grudgingly, but lovingly and cheerfully because you are the perfect giver and you show us your love by how you give. And so, God, we want to do the same. So, Lord, we're not looking at this moment as transactional, more so than transformational. So take these gifts of ours, bless them in the way that only you can so that your work, your word, your witness and your work can continue to go forth. And you get the glory, honor and praise in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Go ahead and have you giving. If you would go ahead and give at this time. And as you're giving. I want to introduce the preacher for tonight, uh, the second night of the watch. Uh, she is a uh, friend and sister beloved, none other than the Reverend Dr. Gina uh, Marcia Stewart. She is the uh, pastor teacher of the Christ Missionary Baptist Church in 
Memphis, Tennessee. She is a sought-after revivalist, uh, preacher, uh, lecturer, and uh, the Lord has just really expanded her territory as far as people wanting to hear uh, this uh, pastoral, prophetic, and priestly voice uh, is concerned. She's a native of Memphis, Tennessee. She uh, was elected by the majority vote back in March of 1995 to serve as the pastor of the Christ Missionary Baptist Church. First uh, African-American female uh, elected to serve an established black church in that particular area. She's a learned sister. She's a graduate of the University of Memphis, Tennessee, having received her bachelor's there. Then she got a, a master's in education from Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville, Tennessee. Then she got the MDiv from Memphis Theological Seminary. And then she received a doctor of ministry degree from uh, the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia. She is currently pursuing her PhD uh, in African-American preaching uh, at Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana, under the leadership and mentorship of the Reverend Dr. Frank Thomas. Uh, she has numerous awards, um, uh, too many that, that I would not want to take the time because I could be here all night just listing all the awards and accolades she has received. However, I do want to make note that she has the distinction of being the morning preacher for the Hampton University's Ministers Conference, and she has also served as the conference preacher for the Hampton University Ministers Conference. Uh, she's been inducted into the Morehouse uh, Board of Preachers, uh, and she serves as the first vice president of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Convention, of which our church plays an integral role as far as that's concerned. And if things continue to go that way, she will soon be the first female president of any major black historical religious uh, convention in this country. And I can't wait for her assent. She's a member of Delta Sigma Theta, and she is also an author entitled uh, of a book, We Got Next, Her Story Is His Story. And so I want you to sit in your tent. I want you to pray for her and with her that the word that she's going to share tonight will be the rhema word that the Lord will have for us to glean and to gather and to apply as far as our lives are concerned. And so uh, after our brothers bless us with song, the next voice you will hear will be that of our preacher for this evening, the Reverend Dr. Gina Stewart. Amen.
Christ. This is the day, the night, the year that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, the virtual house of the Lord at St. Paul Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, where my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott is the senior servant and senior pastor. What a privilege it is to share with you in virtual space for the beloved people of God and to all of you who have joined by way of virtual platforms to share in this service of word and worship in this time where revival and refreshing is so needed and so efficacious and so essential. I am thankful to be counted in this number, in this lineup with my two brothers, Dr. Charles Goodman and Dr. Maurice Watson, who are prolific proclaimers of the gospel, and to the precious people of God at the St. Paul Church, to all of you who hold a special place in my heart, as I, we share, so have shared on so many occasions through Lot Carey. We are grateful for your support of Lot Carey, your work and your witness, and how can I address you without also acknowledging my friend and brother, Dr. Gregory Moss, our former president of Lot Carey. We are grateful for the partnership and for your investment and for your love and your support. I'm thankful tonight for this word that the Lord has given me, and I pray that this word might be a blessing to you. And so I'm going to ask now that you would join me as we bow for a word of prayer. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. For this privilege to proclaim this gospel for your faithfulness toward us, God, we give you praise for the way you've watched over us and preserved our lives. Our testimony is that we never would have made it if it had not been for the Lord. We say thank you for this time of refreshing, this time of word and worship, this time, this opportunity to declare and proclaim the worthiness of King Jesus. Take a coal now from the altar and anoint, touch these lips of clay, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are my strength and my redeemer. Send your word. Save a soul, salvage a life. Cause us to be better. Cause this word to make this pastor's job just a little bit easier. Because you sent me this way. In Jesus' name. And all those that agree with this prayer, say it together. Amen. I want to invite your attention to the third chapter of Joshua. Beginning with verse 7 through verse 17. Joshua chapter 3, beginning with verse 7 through 17. And I will be reading from the new revised standard version of scripture. You'll find words recorded like these. The Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that we, that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this time, to my, by, by this you shall know that among you is the living God who without fail will drive out before you, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And when the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. And when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the waters. The waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap, far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, while those flowing toward the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And while all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. It's the word of life. Grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of our God shall stand forever. For these moments that are mine, I want to invite you to pray with me on this subject and thought. You've got to get your feet wet. You've got to get your feet wet. If we've learned anything from watching the world of sports, particularly basketball, and the NBA finals over the years, we've learned that failure is not necessarily fatal or final. LeBron James is a classic example. Over the past few years, we have witnessed LeBron James make amazing comebacks for several teams after experiencing devastating defeats. This is not just true for basketball. This axiom is also true in life. Failure is not necessarily fatal or final in life or in the economy of God. I've walked with God long enough to discover that God is a God of restoration. God is a God of reconciliation from Abraham to Moses to Jacob to Rahab to Paul and John Mark to the woman of Samaria. God is a forgiving God. God is a healing and restoring God. And the good news of our faith is that even when we blow it, our God is gracious enough to give us a second chance at success. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for those times when God has given me a second chance at success. I can look back over my life and think about times that I missed the window of opportunity, missed a door of opportunity, times when I flunked, times when I failed, times when I've made tragic and embarrassing mistakes. But in spite of it all, God, who is a reconciling, restoring God, is gracious enough and was gracious enough to give me a second chance at success. And that's what's happening in our text. God is giving the nation of Israel, the chosen people, his called out ones, a second chance at success. Forty years earlier, their ancestors forfeited, revoked the blessing, forfeited the blessing. God didn't revoke it, but they forfeited the blessing by forfeiting the promise of possessing the land of Canaan because of their unbelief. It wasn't because God changed God's mind. It's because they changed theirs. And they decided when they saw the giants and the sons of Anak, Rather than looking at God and gazing at God and glancing at giants, they were gazing at giants and glancing at God. And because of their unbelief, they forfeited their opportunity to possess what God has already promised. But here they are some 40 years later, and now God is giving the next generation a second chance at success. 
Their foreparents had stood in the same spot some 40 years earlier with their leader Moses. And now they're on the precipice. They are standing where their ancestors previously stood in, in, in just about to possess and apprehend the place of promise. But their ancestors, when they had the opportunity to possess the land, they retreated and forfeited the blessing, withdrew their forces and evacuated because they were gazing at the giants and glancing at God. And I need to say to somebody that gazing at giants can cause us to make some costly mistakes. Giants is a metaphor for anything that distracts us from our focus on God, anything that drains our passion for God, anything that potentially disrupts our service for God, giants are not a figment of our imagination. Giants are real. Giants are not something that we dream up. Giants are pressures and problems and pains and persecutions that all of us at some point in our walk with God will find ourselves facing from time to time. While giants can be real, gazing at giants can cause us to make some costly mistakes. Uh, gazing at giants can cause us to lose our focus and cause us to become paralyzed and crippled by fear. Gazing at giants can cause us to become stagnant and find ourselves in a state of neutral. Gazing at giants and glancing at God can cause us to forfeit the promise or the promises that God has for us. Not because God has changed God's mind, but because we change our minds about how great God God is. Even though we talk about how great our God is, even though we have scriptures that we read and that we post on our refrigerator and we have them on our screensavers, on our computers at work, sometimes when we face the right kind of giant, we find ourselves gazing at the giant and glancing at God. And if we're not careful, We'll gaze so long at the giant that we'll forget what we believed about God. And because the ancestors were gazing at the giants and glancing at God, these people who were had a promise over their head to possess the land of Canaan withdrew, retreated, and evacuated, even though their enemies had not mounted a single shot against them. And a journey. That should have taken 11 days, took 40 years. Because the majority of the leaders, no, it was not the rank and file members of the congregation. It was the leaders. It was the people who had been delegated, God help me, with authority and a measure of power. It was the leaders, those who were sent not to make an evaluation, not to decide whether or not it was possible, but to see what God had already promised them. It was the leaders, y'all, who saw more opposition than opportunity. Crippled by their fear of the giants and their own poor self-assessment. For the text tells us in Numbers chapter 11, I believe, that they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their sight. And because the majority was gazing at the giants, the fear of the giants, the majority of the leaders passed on the virus. You know you can catch a virus. 
When you hang around the wrong folks too long, you know you can contract a virus. And every virus, not every virus is a COVID-19 virus. You can contract a virus of doubt and unbelief and mistrust and distrust if you hang around folk that keep bringing you negative reports. And because they were listening to those who were giving the negative report, the leaders passed the virus by bringing a negative report back to the people and failed to trust God to give them the victory. As a result, God did not allow them to enter into the land that he had already promised. And for 40 years, they wandered in the desert. Defeated in their minds, not an enemy that they actually had in confrontation with, but defeated in their minds by an enemy that never fired a shot at them, never came against them, or never even mounted a campaign against them. They said, we appeared as grasshoppers in their sight. Nobody said that the enemies were even looking at them. It was their own self-assessment. It was their own inability to see themselves as competent and capable of taking the land that God had promised them. And because of their unbelief and their mistrust and their distrust, and because the leaders went back and passed on a virus to the rest of the folk, a journey that should have taken 11 days, God help me preach, took 40 years. And now it's 40 years later, and God is giving them a second chance at success. And who among us has not wished for or longed or even prayed for the opportunity to begin again? In golf, they call it a mulligan. In basketball, it's a rebound. To start over or to have a fresh start, nobody gets it right all of the time. I don't get it right all of the time. And those of you under the sound of my voice don't get it right all of the time. All of us have had our lapses where we've blown it, where we've made mistakes, where we've messed up, where we've fallen short of the glory of God. But this time. Moses is not the fearless leader. This time, it is Moses' successor, Joshua, who is now 80 years old, an octogenarian ready for retirement. But here he is commissioned by God to lead the people into the land of promise. It's no understatement to suggest or say that Joshua was not in an easy situation. He was facing a difficult assignment, replacing a peerless leader, replacing a leader who enjoyed unparalleled intimacy with God. Moreover, the people that he would be leading had lived in the desert for 40 years and were now somewhere between 40 to 60 years old. Remember that God has said that only those 20 and 20 years and younger would live to inherit the land with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. And these baby boomers were probably in no physical, mental, psychological, or emotional condition to assemble a major military campaign. Not to mention that they were still facing daunting opposition and Joshua's military skills by now. I mean, he is 80 years old. They should have been fading. He is now 80. He's not 40. But thank God that God doesn't just call the equipped, but God equips those that God calls. In, in his hidden years, God had equipped Joshua and prepared Joshua for this very work. Joshua had practiced a long obedience in the same direction. He had faithfully served with Moses and now, despite his age, now, despite the fact that he's a senior citizen, now, despite the fact that it's been 40 years, God help me, now, despite the fact that the absence of military might and his limitations, 
God is the one that determined that Joshua was ready for the task and qualified to lead. I hear the spirit of Aaliyah saying age ain't nothing but a number. May I say to you today that the task that you faithfully do today will prepare you for tomorrow's assignment. Do not despise the day of small beginning. Jesus put it this way. If you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. God commissions Joshua to succeed Moses and commands Israel in the conquest of the land near the Jordan. And along with the assignment, God gives Joshua assurance. Notice what he says. He says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Uh, God says to Joshua, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God assures Joshua in his old age without military might, without all of the accoutrements that were needed for a successful military campaign. God assures Joshua of the adequacy of his divine presence for the completion of his assignment. Can I pause parenthetically here and say that sometimes you may look like you're having to fight against all odds. But I've come to tell you that God plus one equals the majority. When you have the assurance of God's divine presence, the adequacy of his divine presence and provision, that's all the encouragement and the guidance that you need for the task that is before you. Joshua didn't have a lot of skills left. He didn't have possibly the energy that he had at 40, but what he did have. He had the adequacy of God's presence and he needed encouragement from God to let him know that he could handle the assignment. Oh, if you were in a building, I'd say, touch somebody and tell them God is going to help you handle your assignment. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what task you may be pondering or what God may have called you to do, but I need to tell you right here that God will help you to handle your assignment. I believe one of the reasons why God encourages them is because while God knows that the land is theirs, God also knows that before they possess the promise, they must cross the Jordan. Can I say that again? I said, God has given them the land. God knows that the land is theirs, but God also knows that before they possess the land, they must cross the Jordan. In other words, before they can experience economic and agricultural prosperity, they must first cross the Jordan. I'm sure they were eager to leave the promised land, that they were ready to break camp from the wilderness. They were ready to move into a place of fruitful and productive living. Forty years is a long time to be wandering in no direction. Forty years is a long time to not have a place where you can put down your roots, not have a place where you can establish some level of permanency. Forty years is a long time to be wandering without any place to go. They were ready to move into a place of fruitful and productive living. Like so many of us. As we watch with a mixture of disgust and anticipation as this year, this past year has been one nightmare after another. Many of us are ready now that it's 2021 to move into a season and a place of fruitful and productive living. 
livable wages, criminal justice reform, police reform, HBCU funding, income equity, voting rights protection, debt elimination, and cancellation. We finally got us a new president, thanks be to God. And we are ready to move in a new direction. The wilderness is no place for permanent habitation. It's a stop on the itinerary, not a final destination. And I suspect that after spending 40 years in the desert, these people were ready to move and enter and live peacefully and productively. But before uh, they could go in, they had to cross the Jordan River. God had made them some promises or promise that he would be with them, but they still had a river to cross. You put a pen right there and, think, and make a note of that, that the promise does not necessarily preclude or exclude the fact that before you access it, before you apprehend it, before you obtain it, that there may be some obstacles before you apprehend the promise. The land was already there. But they still had a river to cross. May I suggest to you that one of the things that complicates this walk of faith for so many, one of the things that weakens our resolve to finish well, one of the things that causes people to sit on the sidelines and get out of the race and finish strong are the moments when we have to face our Jordan rivers. The times when there are obstacles that seem to limit our range of motion, the degree is in view, but you found out you got two more classes that you got to take before you graduate. The plans for the house have been drawn up, but the financing seems to be taken forever. The business plan is on your desk and all you need is provision for the vision on the way to fulfillment, on the way to destiny, on your way to purpose. There is always a Jordan River to cross. Transition from vision to victory, from promise to fulfillment, from expectation to manifestation. There is always a river, a Jordan River, an obstacle or a barrier to progress. Somebody ought to touch yourself and say, before you cross, before you possess the land, before you possess the promise, you must first cross the Jordan River. Can I tell you why I'm preaching this? Can I tell you why I'm talking about this Jordan River? Because I have a sneaky suspicion that somebody under the sound of my voice is facing a river. Or maybe not a physical body of water, but an obstacle that could potentially cause you to lose sight of the promise. An obstacle that could potentially keep you from stepping into the purpose and the plan and the promise that God has for your life. And the truth be told, you're not excited. You're not jumping up and down. Uh, you're not posting this on Facebook. You're not sending out tweets about this because nobody is interested in standing before an obstacle. Nobody really is signing up to undergo opposition and the truth is is that you're not really that excited about crossing the river because standing near the shore on the bank god help me is much comfortable much more comfortable and probably safer uh, but nothing really significant happens on the banks of a river no real miracles happen on the banks of a river. No memories are necessarily made on the banks of a river. The river bank is usually safer and more comfortable. William Faulkner put it this way. He said, you cannot swim new horizons until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. And don't get me wrong. I've been in places 
where I've been on the edge, as they say, of a breakthrough, on the edge of a miracle, on the edge of experiencing a major move of God. I've been in places where I've contemplated doing some new things or where God is pushing and provoking and prodding me and wooing me to a new place, a new dimension. And I've been in that place where I've had wanted the reward with risk, gain with pain, proof without trust, results without investment. I've been in that place where I've been apprehensive about taking the next step because it can be difficult to take the next step when you're not sure of what the outcome is going to be. Ah, but I stopped by to tell you, don't panic. Because one of the keys is found in the text. One of the keys to crossing the Jordan is found in verse 13. Note what the writer says. The writer says in verse 13, when the soles of the feet, S-O-L-E-S, of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The water of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. Please note that the nation of Israel was instructed, watch this, to take the steps toward crossing the Jordan before the waters were open. Mm, I wish I was in a building with some people I tell you to shout before. Before the waters were open. Not next week, not next month, not when the conditions appear to be favorable, but before. They had to walk by faith and not by sight. Is that not what the life of faith is really all about? Scripture puts it this way, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he or she that cometh unto God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not when you see the water open, but before the waters cross, I want you to step into the Jordan. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Martin Luther King said faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. Faith always involves an element of risk. In fact, life is a risk. Ecclesiastes 10 and 8 says, when you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there's a danger with each stroke of the axe. Such are the risks of life. There's nothing we can do that does not contain some element of risk. And I need to tell somebody today that if you are going to step into the promises of God, to step into your place of destiny, to fulfill your assignment, to fulfill your mission in life, your God-given assignment and mission in life, there may be times in our lives that God may call us to follow him in ways that absolutely, positively make no sense. I'm a witness that there are times that God... They call us to do some things that make no sense to anybody but God. At such times, we need to act out of our faith rather than our logic or our feelings, even though our feelings and our logic may sometimes be valid and sometimes tempting to rely on our feelings and our logic. The Bible tells us to lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge God and God will direct our path. It's through faith that we rely on the truth that God calls us into activities that are purposeful and good for us and that will bring glory to God's name. Can I come back and say that again? I said, it's through trusting God that we learn that God or through faith that we rely upon the truth that God calls us to activities that are purposeful and good for us and will bring glory to God's name. The people of Israel 
had to take a step of faith. In other words, they had to get their feet wet. I wish somebody would just say that to yourself. You got to get your feet wet. Every now and then, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. Every now and then, you got to be willing to break camp. You got to be willing to test the limits. You got to be willing to test traditions. Every now and then, you've got to be willing to uh, dip your foot in the water. The Israelites, the nation of Israel had to walk by faith. They had to break camp. They had to pack up their belongings from a, they had to form a marching line. They had to consecrate themselves and step into the river before the river opened up. And that's what makes taking steps of faith so challenging. We want guarantees. I don't blame you. I ain't hating on you because all of us want guarantees. We kind of want to know ahead of time that if I do or take this step, that everything is going to be all right. We tend to say that we are people of faith, but we live an outcome-based life. In other words, we often obey God based on the outcome, and we need to see the outcome before we do it. But what God is calling us to do is live an obedience-based life that does not take into account necessarily the outcomes when God has given us the confirmation that it is God who is the one who's telling us to step into the water. But in many instances, we prefer a guarantee. We want to know that God's going to be with us. We want to know before we take that step. But often God will challenge us or even command us to take a step before we see the evidence. Come here, Abraham, and testify. When Abram was leaving the Ur of the Chaldees to go to a place that God would show him all he had was a map. The widow of Zarephath gave the prophet Elijah the first cake before she and her son ate theirs. Uh, when they marched around Jericho's walls, they had to shout, and then the walls came tumbling down. The truth is, and I'm in that number sometimes too, we want to see before we can believe when the truth is we believe to see. So God instructs the people to step into the waters before the waters parted. Because even though we'd rather see to believe, God is saying to us, if you believe, I'll let you see. Now, what is just as significant and what the instructions even more uh, 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 almost ridiculous is that at the time, watch the text, when the instructions were given, the text tells us that the Jordan was at flood stage. Okay, flood stage. Somebody shout flood stage. I'm in here by myself, but I just need somebody to say flood stage. What that means is that God chose the worst time whee, to tell them to cross the Jordan. Why wouldn't you tell them to cross the Jordan when the water was low? Why would you tell them to cross the Jordan when the water is at its highest peak and therefore it's at its highest level? It looks like a setup for failure. Seems that if God's going to require that they cross the Jordan, that God would have caused the water to be at its lowest. But instead, it looks like God is setting them up to drown. God help me. It looks like God is giving them instructions to step into a situation that is bound to take them out. What this text says to me is that there are times that God will lead us into situations that it is so that we can find out that it is not natural causes, but it is God. It is not 
not coincidence. It is God, not a stroke of luck. It is God, not our connections. It is God who parts the waters of our life. Woo! If you were in the building with me, I'd tell the musician to crank up the music and we would shout for just a few minutes about all the ways that God has parted the water. And can I tell you that obedience to God's instruction will bring the blessing. We don't talk much about obedience. It's a word that we don't often use. We have extracted it and we have scratched it out from our lexicons. Oh, but I need to tell somebody that obedience still unlocks the doors of God's blessing. Obedience keeps us in the center of God's will. Obedience keeps us in tune with God and releases and unleashes the power of God. Watch the text. Text says as soon Hey, as the priest's feet, wait, I'm about to shout, touched the water's edge. As soon as they acted in obedience to God's word, it's in the text, from the water from upstream, stop flowing. Somebody shouted, stop flowing. And piled up in a heap at a great distance at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. While downstream, the water was completely cut off. You, you got to, you got to get this. God told them to step into the water. Don't miss this. When the water was at the worst stage, it was at flood stage, meaning that they could potentially have drowned by stepping in the water. But when they obeyed God, the text says in verse 15, the B clause, that as soon as the priests hey, touched their feet, touched the water's edge, as soon as they acted in obedience to God's word, the water from upstream stopped flowing and piled up in a heap at a great distance at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. While downstream, watch this, the water was completely cut off. In other words, God stopped the flow of water just in the nick of time to show them that it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I wish I had a few people that could just stop right there and give God some praise that God will help us but you got to get your feet wet I just want to encourage somebody today and tell you that God has promised to do some great things in our life. Yeah, I know we've been through a pandemic and we're not completely out of it. Yes, I know that the fallout, God help me, uh, from ineffective leadership uh, has caused many people to suffer unnecessarily. Yes, I believe that there are some people who look at their lives and think that their best days are behind them. Oh, but I stopped by to encourage somebody and tell you that God is still doing great things. That God is still doing amazing things. That God will still do miraculous things. Oh, but you got to be willing to get your feet wet. Oh, I wish you could just type that in the comment box. And say sometimes you got to be willing to get your feet wet. Get your feet wet is an idiom or a phrase that basically means to experience something for the first time. It means you got to take a risk. It means you got to take a chance. And I I'll be the first to admit that there's probably nothing more risky than doing something that's never been done before. I will admit that there's nothing more risky than pioneering and stepping into uncharted territory. I will admit that sometimes I've been sidetracked myself by difficulty because I expect to see the barriers removed before I cross them. us that there are some times when we have to step in 
conventional wisdom. So you gotta look before you leap. And the truth of the matter is, is that there are some times that we do need to investigate. There are some times that we do need to wait. There are times that we need to seek the will of God. There are times that we need to take into consideration all of the angles.
in the water before the river dries up I don't know who I'm talking to today I, I don't know who I'm preaching to I preach myself happy because <sighs> I've been in some places where I didn't have any evidence I didn't have the proof ahead of time that God was going to be with me. When I when I started pastoring Christ Missionary Baptist Church, when the members of Christ Missionary Baptist Church decided almost 26 years ago, Lord have mercy, that they would step outside of the tradition, test the limits, and give a single woman from the south side of Memphis a chance take a chance on a woman pastor hear me with your good ear in a Baptist church in a denomination where in some instances the jury help me Holy Ghost is still out about what God will do with women 25 years ago I was so afraid Afraid to fail. Didn't think I had necessarily everything it took. I was gazing at the naysayers and I almost slipped into glancing at God. Then I heard the Spirit said, don't be afraid of their faces. Because I have made you a bronze and pillar. I've given you grace for this assignment. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail. He wasn't necessarily talking about church members. He was talking about the forces of opposition that could possibly come at me as I attempted to be faithful to my assignment. He said, they, the Spirit said they will fight against you, but they will not prevail. Because how the Lord will be there to deliver you. Can I tell you? That in 25 years, folk have said all kind of stuff about our church. They said the folks going to hell because they followed the woman. I'm not going to tell you what I said. That's for another sermon. They said, oh, you're going to have it. That church is a bunch of men. Because men not going to Paul said, you know, we quote, quote Paul. Dr. David Boy said more than we quote Jesus. Not going to have anybody in that church but women. They're going to put you out the convention. That's what they said. There were some who came and some who left. Because when they went back to tell those persons who had authority in their life that they had joined a church where a woman was leading, the voice of the authority carried more weight than the voice of Jesus. So they ended up leaving our church. 25 years, I've heard some and seen some ridiculous things. Some of our members have even found themselves in 
<laughs> Almost knocked down, drag out fights. Because <laughs> co-workers come to them and make all kinds of inappropriate statements. Especially to the brothers. Because their pastor is a woman. But I found out something. Wait until I knew for sure that God was going to be with me. I had to take God at his word and believe that somehow that when I stepped in the water, God would dry it up. God would stand up. God would cause the floor to dry up. And I'm standing here almost 26 years later to tell you that God is no shorter than his word. Sometimes you got to go first. That's what I've learned about our church. Sometimes you have to be willing to go first. There's a price for going first. There's a possibility that you might fail. But the possibility of what you may miss in terms of what God is attempting to do. Because at the end of the day, it's really all about his glory. That possibility is greater than the possibility that God might not show up. I don't know who I'm talking to. Perhaps you're facing a Jordan River today. Perhaps you're facing a situation where your faith is being severely challenged. Perhaps from all indications, it looks like you don't have what it takes to stand up against the tide. But know that the river in front of you is not an indicator that God is going to abandon you or let you fail. The river in front of you could just be a testimony of how great God's power is. So that people can build their hope in God. And that they might have a reputation among their enemies. God will use this time of disorientation in your life to prove and demonstrate how great he is. So even if you feel inadequate, even if you are being feeling a wing step out of your comfort zone, even if you're facing an unsettled, unknown future, note that God can be trusted to do what he promised. It's not until the priest's feet touched the water's edge that the water stopped. I'm going to stop here because I do need to tell you, the part beat it is, is that they probably couldn't swim. Y'all ain't saying nothing. They were in an agrarian. Hey, I feel my help. Even if they couldn't drown, they weren't accustomed to water, so they probably had not had swimming lessons. Hey. But God didn't even let them drown. That's the kind of God we serve. Oh, you are just touching seven and said, he ain't going to let me drown. He won't let you drown. He who had begun a good work in you is faithful to perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm not finished. I'm just going to stop. This is <laughs> the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God 
Your hands together for a powerful prophetic pastoral and priestly word. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Gina Marcia Stood. She is, um, I was talking to her earlier today, and um, she wished she could have been here. And even if she was here uh, with those of us who are here, I think some of us probably would have taken off running around church. Uh, she was just absolutely incredible. Her power and her passion came through the video. And one thing that I've discovered during these pandemic times is that um, what we want you to feel seems somewhat limited, but somehow it still comes through. And so I just want to thank Dr. Gina Stewart. She's on my short list as far as favorite preachers are concerned. And um, I just take wonderful delight in our uh, relationship that she took time out of her schedule uh, to prepare something specifically for us. Unfortunately, during these virtual times, during these pandemic times, uh, there are some preachers, they will take a Sunday morning sermon and send it to you. She preached that and prepared it for us. Uh, and I do the same thing whenever I'm asked to do something virtual, I will, I will come here and preach it, and then we will send it to, to that church. I don't send them what I preach on a Sunday morning. We don't do that video. We, we intentionally prepare and send. That's what she did for us. So it wasn't something cookie cutter. Uh, it was a word that she took the time to prepare for us. So can you just help me to celebrate her one more time? Thank you, Dr. Stewart. I, I want to take this opportunity to do two things. First of all, if you heard that word, it's hard for you to step out on faith. It's hard for you to step into the water when you don't know the God who can control the water. And I want to encourage you right now. I want to encourage you if you heard this sermon and you want a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to lead you in a short prayer and then I'm going to tell you to do something that uh, will make a profound difference in your life. So if you would, just bow your head and repeat after me. God, I want to step out into the waters of life. I want you to be my God. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe that one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I believe he died on a cross. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head and your heart. You meant that prayer in your mind and in your spirit. Hear me, hear me well. If you meant that prayer sincerely, you're saved. Is it really that easy? Yes. You're not saved by uh, your works. You're not saved by giving money. You're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to do 
uh, uh, one of these things. If you prayed that prayer, you watching us on Facebook or YouTube or on our church website, wherever you are right now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to just type in connect. Just type in connect. Just type in connect. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and help you to figure out what your next steps will be. If you want to join our church, just type in connect. Just type in connect. When our digital ministers will reach out to you, let you know what next steps are. Don't want to make this complicated for you, all right? If you're listening to us online, if you're listening to us uh, on the phone, rather, what you could do is call the church at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number and tell us that either you want to be saved or you want to join our church. And someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow will reach back out to you and let you know what the next steps are. Okay? So we would love for you to be part of the tribe here at St. Paul. And I would love to be your pastor. So if you were moved by this word and you want to do life with us, we would love to do life with you. Amen? Here's my second call that I want to do tonight before we get ready to go. If that word blessed you, if that word blessed you, if that word blessed you, I want you tonight uh, to just take an opportunity to sow into uh, the work and the life of Dr. Gina Stewart. Uh, you can, if you so desire to give tonight, just put it under sacrificial offering under Givelify and you can give right now. So I'm going ahead. I just gave a sacrificial offering tonight. I invite you to join me as well. This is beyond what we gave earlier. Amen. I want you to help us to bless her as far as this powerful work that she has given us tonight. As we prepare to leave from this place again, Dr. Marco McNeil, thank you for leading us in worship. To our brothers, thank you for blessing us with the gift of song. To our media ministry, thank you. Our music ministry, thank you. Our medical team, thank you so very much, as well as the staff here at St. Paul that's making sure that we're doing everything we can to be safe and sound. As we close, let me close you out in prayer on tonight, and we look forward to what the Lord is going to do on tomorrow night as far as the word is concerned. God is relieved from this space and this place, but never from your presence nor your power. Keep us in your sovereign care. Replenish Dr. Gina Stewart. Bless us to make it home safely. And when we get there, let us find safety and security, tranquility and peace. And God, thank you for each and every person that served tonight. So Lord, we're going to get our feet wet, trusting you to be the God of the waters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, God bless you. I love you. God loves you even more. I can't wait until we can come back into the building. But until then, get vaccinated. If you feel led, I've been vaccinated. I am fully vaccinated now. Pierre is fully vaccinated. We've got a whole lot of other folks fully vaccinated. I ain't opening up the church until we get a good number fully vaccinated. Amen. I'm just letting y'all know that now. So you need to get vaccinated. Still wear your mask. Practice social distancing. Wash your hands. Keep one another safe. Take care of yourselves. I can't wait to see you. We're one day closer to getting back in. But until then, continue to roll with us and allow for the Lord to bless us. Brothers, sing us out.
Hello, everybody. Hi, I got this Terry Jerry. Safe, everybody. All right. Yeah, my. Yeah, my.